Rashida Dawson is the founder of the Weedhead Company, a global cannabis advocate, award-winning business strategist, and best-selling author of How to Succeed in the Cannabis Industry. Her work has been featured across multiple outlets, including Essence, Entrepreneur, and Health Magazines. I couldn't be more elated to invite her inside the OMI studio. Get endocannabinoid educated with us as we connect over cannabis and inflammation. Yes, so, um, ooh, brain fog moment. (laughs) Well, I guess which is perfect leading into this conversation about autoimmune illness and kind of really amplifying women, particularly women of color, who are, so many of us are suffering from different autoimmune illnesses. For the past couple of years, I know I told you briefly, and then via email when we were working on confirming this interview, I've really been compelled to compile our stories. And some of them live in video format on my YouTube channel. Others are a part of my podcast, which your interview will be a part of the Yoga with the Omis podcast collection. It's just, I know when I was younger, I was first um, diagnosed with lupus when I was 12 years old. It didn't really become real for me until six years later when I met another woman of color, it just so happened to be, that was also living with lupus. And for those six years, as a young girl really developing into a teenager and young women not having any other resources or any other relatable experiences that kind of compelled me remembering that little girl compelled me to want to put together these stories and kind of share them and amplify them in in the world so I thank you again so much for agreeing to sit and chat with me for a little bit so we can talk about all of the amazing things that you do in the world but also your your illness Can you lead off with when did you first develop MS symptoms? And then from first developing symptoms, how long did it take you to be officially diagnosed? Sure. So, um, you know, this has been a very interesting journey as everyone probably has uh, unique journeys as it pertains to autoimmune issues. I always start with the preface that for a lot of people, if you're not sick enough, you can be almost driven a little crazy with the conventional medical system because they train doctors and health professionals to be able to uh, respond to certain tags, uh, markers, things that they see in film, MRIs. And if you're not yet to the point where you're exhibiting any of your illness in those ways, you are often, especially as a woman of color and a Black woman, you're their second guess that you're even experiencing it. I also remind people that up until really the 1970s or so, um, when MRI machines became more prevalent as a you know invention, they were putting people who had autoimmune issues in insane asylums, um, people meaning predominantly women, and definitely of those uh, disproportionately um, Black and brown women. And so I started this journey with uh, the first weird things, probably when I was younger. I I got diagnosed with arthritis when I was 19, and arthritis is an autoimmune-related inflammatory, chronic inflammatory issue. We don't talk about it that way, but it is. And um, they blamed it on playing basketball and being a dancer and sort of sort of like, oh, I don't have rheumatoid arthritis, like sort of like or juvenile 
related arthritis. I have this because I was just so, you know, hard on my knees or hard on my joints. I mean, I, you, you do ballet, you stand on your toes. So I had arthritis in my big toe. I have it in my pinky and, you know, my pinky toe, my, <laughs> just my toes and my knees. And that first happened at 19. And so I was living with chronic pain and really using Advil and ibuprofen throughout all of that and just attributing it to being an athlete or being a dancer. Fast forward to having a baby at 24, uh, so just about five years later, I had another autoimmune response with a a really itchy disease that I always, I would mispronounce it, but it it goes by PPP. (laughs) And basically you get all of these like bumps along your stretch marks in your belly. And all the doctor really said was that I was having an allergic response to my, my amniotic fluid. And, you know, it happens mostly when it's a, 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 mom and and son scenario. So again, no one started to look in my background or say, hey, do you have other things going on? I never even talked about having arthritis at that time. And, and, and so that to me, these are my early signs or my early cues that I have some autoimmune related issues. My body overreacts to things um, and is probably driving inflammatory responses and um, autoimmune responses where it shouldn't be. But I never never talked about it. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm, I I lived in, you know, a certain level of pain and deterioration, again, blaming past athletics and then having a baby and he was 10 pounds. And so it was like, oh, my knees are killing me, but this is because you have a big baby. And I, I, a lot of just, again, deflecting. And then I, I moved to Minnesota in 2011 and that winter weather, I'm talking about oh, negative. Yes. 20 degrees. I just, my body was like, what are you thinking? And I went into full-blown autoimmune attacks on my body. Things like my my left leg in particular started getting a lot of burning and residual stinging and feelings that you don't typically have throughout the leg. Um, I was incredibly stiff every morning. I had flare-ups of pimples, like I have adult acne, but a pimple, for example, would turn into my face uh, so swollen and my eyes closed because of the response. Um, But I think the worst scenario for me was when my hands swelled up, both of them, and they were unable to be closed in a fist or I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't wipe myself. I couldn't drive. I couldn't type, which, you know, my work, I was just like, I I just couldn't do anything but sit there and and watch TV mostly. It was really frustrating for me. And I, I felt like that was the last straw. And I went to the doctor and they didn't give me a diagnosis. They gave me a bunch of tests and, you know, thought it might be lupus. And then it was maybe SMS. It really depended on the 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 physician. And for years, it was just a lot of nothing, but maybe this, nothing, but maybe this. Right. And then I would say uh, in about 2017, after being in the cannabis space and developing, I guess, the, the, the neuropathy in my left leg more severely, I finally felt like I was at a physician's care that said these are all of these taken together are early signs of MS. Um, Because you're you're 
blood work, because of your film work, all of that is relatively normal. We can't call it MS, but these are early signs and they, they may be reversible. And so from that point on, I've been working with that as the quote unquote diagnosis. But for, for real, for real, I have not gotten anything really confirmed in the conventional medicine world other than that you know they can't help me that's the that's like that's a real com- confirmation until I'm sick enough that they can help me that's really and then in the cannabis world I guess I started to find more health professionals that said they believe me and here are ways to reverse it and so that's that's been my journey so far is sort of like a little bit failed and 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 very disheartened by the the conventional world of medicine so far. Wow, my brain is like bouncing all around in my skull. Sorry. Um, That's my story though. <laughs> I appreciate so much of that. I mean, so much of our stories are parallel and I'm like tingling like this is why I wanted to to share these conversations cuz I remember even at the age of 12 being like, you guys can't tell me definitively if I have lupus or not. It was real vague, like, oh, if you have symptoms in column A and then some in column B, we'll monitor you for column C. And then maybe after a certain amount of time, we might say that you have lupus. I'm like, what the fuck is this, ma? <laughs> like, no. So she actually had to remind me this past year. She was like, yeah, you even denied that you had lupus for years. I denied it. And I completely forgot about that again until I met this other woman and she's describing to me her symptoms and crazy enough you say at 19 you developed arthritis at 18 I developed rheumatoid arthritis and it had gotten so bad to the point that I needed a cane to get around like I couldn't stand up straight my hands were swollen but more so because of the arthritis in my hands like like to your point you saying you couldn't even make a fist like not being able to turn the knobs to take a shower like that Oof, it was mm-hmm. tough. And then over the the course of my life, shift into a more holistic lifestyle. Because again, like, yeah, I'll go to my quarterly rheumatologist meetings. But to your point, you saying that phrase, well, if you're not sick enough, there's not really anything they can do. Literally, I went to my rheumatologist yesterday. She's like, all right, we might as well move these to every six months because you're kind of doing okay. But I'm like, I still have these aching, throbbing pains that are randomly out of nowhere. Um, I lived in Chicago for a bit. The northern part of this map and they winters is no joke at all, at all. So, I mean, all of that resonated and it's like, oh, there's so many, uh, just so many similarities with these autoimmune illnesses. And you wonder, that could really lead me into my next question. It's so many factors that can contribute to this, whether it's genetic, is it environmental, is it the food that we're eating, is it trauma, now some studies are saying. Do you have any kind of theories across all of those avenues from trauma to genetics to the lifestyle and environments that you were in that might have contributed to you developing these inflammation inflammatory responses like of course outside of um playing sports but again was it really the sports or was it the original inflammation in the body yeah so um 
I'm glad you said that because, again, I feel like I was blaming, blaming sports because I was getting insufficient information, and that is what everybody saw me do. They're like, well, you play you're, you know, I was a D1 recruit and you play that hard. You're playing year round. And then I also danced uh, quite uh, significantly too, in terms of just what I, my, like my big toe is not normal girl. Like it's just, it will never be <laughs> of what I was doing to it. And I, you know, now I'm growing and I could like laugh about it, but my nail would be, you know, re- removing it is like the real true stories of a ballerina, so to speak. And so I appreciated all of the aspects of what I was doing to my body early on. And I took care of myself as best I knew how as a elite athlete and dancer, but I was blaming the, 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 the activity as opposed to, to your point, the diet at this same time. And I'm telling my, you know, my full story, my favorite, um, foods were really cereals like fruit loops and Mm -hmm. frosted flakes. Um, and my favorite, uh, snacks or things to like do my work. Cause I'm, you know, I'm also working and going to, you know, a very rigorous college, um, and doing a rigorous programming. My favorite thing to have is like now laters and okay. gummy bears, all of that. So I am here ingesting the devil literally for inflammation and unbeknownst to me, not one point did anybody say in the conventional medical world, it's your diet. And you might be having too much sugar in your diet, which may be causing more inflammation when, you know, again, these things I'm doing does does cause inflammation, but there are ways that we heal and we can bring it back. But it's like my body is over uh, responding. And I think in a lot of ways, it was my diet. Yeah. But it took me until cannabis industry to change my diet. Um, I had a conversation with Dr. Rachel Knox, who is um, now a a really trusted friend, colleague, and business partner in space. We talked in 2017 randomly. Um, I met her at the Cannabis Science Conference in Portland, Oregon, and I was already a fan of her family. They had been featured on Today Show, Family of Doctors. And predominantly black doctors. Their dad is a white man, but they are black doctors who are a black family of doctors who are really endocannabinologists and um, understand cannabinoid medicine and uh, continue to learn every day themselves about it, but also really sharing that. And I became very much enthralled with what they were sharing because I knew it could help me. Not just help me as a patient, but an an advocate that could educate and forward in a way that people could understand. So she said to me that, well, you know, I was like, yeah, they said, you know, this is seeming like early signs of MS. I haven't really admitted that yet. I always say autoimmune issues. That's what I've been saying. Like I got accustomed to saying that for over a decade. I got autoimmune issues. Like, because who wants to talk about, well, somebody, half these people said it's lupus, the other half said it might be MS. And then three integrated specialists was like, actually, we can't call it either of these because you don't got enough things checked off. Right. right. It just sounds crazy. <laughs> And I didn't want to be crazy. I kind of was just like, I don't care what we call it. We need to fix it. I I don't want to feel like this. And she agreed with me that I could keep calling it autoimmune issues because it would be something that could be reversible as if I changed my diet. And I was like, well, I eat you know, well, and I explained to her what I did. And she's like, well, do you eat clean? And I was like, well, what does that mean? And she, we really, I mean, 15 minutes. And she was just like, the sugar in your diet is probably where you need to start. I took that to heart. And now my favorite things 
are those replacements. If it's going to happen where I have sugar, it's all coming from natural resources. I don't do now laters and gummy bears anymore. I mean, I think it was a shock for my family and my son who, you know, that's the easiest gift to get mommy. Like you want to get her something and she's going to be kiki a little bit, go get her some Haribo, uh, Haribo gummy bears. <laughs> now they got the black, was like, she, she's going to be happy with that, you know, for a quick Mother's Day gift. It's funny, but it's true. And I, and that they had to shift that. No, now I need you to find um, my special like uh, dried ginger snack or whatever. <laughs> like um, I also only focus on, you know, those type of sweet snacks on things that are naturally anti-inflammatory. So I like dried cherries. That's my gummy bear replacement. Mm. And yeah, I, I had to, you know, give up cereals. I do not eat cereal anymore. And I was like, that's an anytime snack kind of thing. We always going to have Fruit Loops and Frosted Flakes in the house. As a grown up, it was like, I'm so happy I'm a grown up because I could have as much Fruit Loops and Frosted Flakes <laughs> right. as I um, But now it's, it's not even a desire. I don't drink a lot of... Um, cow's milk either. I, I, I do try as best I can gluten-free. Yeah. It's very low carb. I don't eat a lot of carbs, but I do eat carbs. I just am more of a protein focus. I don't call it a special diet. I just kind of feel like my regimen is growing with me and, and that's the only way I'm able to sustain it. If I try to do cold Turkey on anything, I feel like I is not a successful thing. So it's been gradual, but now I am here nearly four years after having my conversation with her, nearly five actually years after having my conversation with her and all of those things are out of my diet and I feel better. And I have started to reverse some of the symptoms that I had had for years. And I haven't had knock on wood, a huge flare up since 2017 either. That's amazing. That's a beautiful blessing. It is so wild how much we don't consider how the food that we're eating is truly harming us and making us sick. It wasn't necessarily a conscious decision for me, but when I graduated college in 05, you know, it's so easy to eat crap in college and all the fast food and stuff. I just naturally lost the taste for a lot of fast food that I would eat from that point on I never had to use a cane like I still had the arthritic pains and was able to ease them even more once I picked up yoga a few years later but it became a gradual process of eliminating things from my diet I think maybe the next thing might have been dairy for me and then it was red meat and pork and occasionally like I still have a taste for some steak so I will have it pretty much it's like everything in moderation I might have a taste for some bacon so I have it but it's not something that I eat every single day not even every single week I have noticed the change and I think that's why I'm able to keep uh, my lupus symptoms so um you know that there have been times where my symptoms have been much more severe and I know that there are people who have even worse levels of autoimmune uh, responses than I do, like the kind that impact your organs and that can potentially, you know, deteriorate your body to the point of decease. So I, I, I'm grateful that being able to make dietary changes and lifestyle changes have made a huge, huge impact on um, me managing my symptoms and how I just feel overall. So we've talked about cannabis just a little bit, but really digging more into that and how that has helped you uh, with your symptoms and how 
well, I guess it was meeting this this dope team of doctors. Thank you so much for putting on the Omi's listeners to that. And um, even the fact, I didn't know it was possible that you can reverse um, the early stages of MS. So this is really fascinating. And I appreciate you being as open as you are to share all of this. So we can circle back a little bit to how do you use um, cannabis to kind of help you with your symptoms? Yeah, so my understanding is that most stages of autoimmune issues or diseases have some reversibility if you haven't allowed yourself to get to the point where you're now, um, it's just too extreme. But that to me is because it's all really driven by our endocannabinoid system, which is a body of receptors the largest body of receptors in the human body, actually. And in fact, those receptors are so important and integral to other receptor systems that they've been starting to call it the endocannabidome, which is like a world of uh, receptors throughout the body that start with the core endocannabinoid system. This system is what dictates um, a lot of our responses to, uh, you know, various things where how we sleep, how we eat, um, how we digest, um, it's very prevalent in the digestive system and a lot of autoimmune issues, especially the inflammatory ones, you know, believe it or not, they're really highly connected to the, the gut inflammation and gut challenges. So that's why I'm like, the fact that nobody said anything about what I was eating when I was a kid or teenager is like, you're missing a lot of information here. But the fact is the medical doctors and the health professionals, they do not learn about the endocannabinoid system. And I know about this because I went to medical school and I got to my fourth year and I just was not for me. I was like, okay, if it's going to be about business, let me get my business degree and do what I do because this is not it. Um, and I, I left, but I didn't learn about the endocannabinoid system. The only thing I learned about related to cannabis was about social services and when to call the police. Oh, wow. We'll talk. So the, the, the Knox docs are a refreshing group of doctors. Again, Dr. Rachel Knox, Dr. Jessica Knox is sister, Dr. Mom, we affectionately call her, but Dr. Janice Knox is their mom and Dr. David Knox is their dad. And they are all endocannabinologists and they've been, you know, really focused on studying how cannabis as one tool uh, can be used to um, not just reverse specifically like my my MS or whatever, like I'm using it for that, but just reverse symptoms of imbalance. Um, we have a lot of things that are prevalent in um, our communities that are really related to endocannabinoid system dysfunction um, from obesity and diabetes to various uh, blood pressure issues. The fact of the matter is that our sicknesses that are prevalent within our communities are more, more often than not connected to endocannabinoid system dysfunction. And so if you use a tool like cannabis to help support your endocannabinoid system, help rebuild its ability to maintain homeostasis, um, it starts to reverse what you see from years of it being imbalanced. And that means reversing pain and pain related to inflammation. 
And that's what I've been using it for. But it isn't the only tool. Any tool that is going to be impacting your endocannabinoid system can help that. So one, I, you know, I really love hot yoga. I love meditative yoga. Now, the first time I did meditative yoga, I thought my mom was the one who was like suggested it to me. And she's also the one who suggested that I use cannabis too, because she used it as medicine. Okay. She's no longer with us, but um, I know she's probably happy that I listen. But the first time I did meditative yoga, I was like, what are we doing? But it really did change my life, not just about um, the, the experience itself. I realized I could do it myself. So I meditate a lot and I use, use um, the yoga positions to get myself just centered when I am trying to have those moments. And meditation to me has helped with my stress levels. And the stress is what causes a flare up. So that's the first part. I do try to give myself at least 15 minutes minimum where I am having that recentering. Preferably, you know, the the Noxes would say if you were doing it where you were outdoor and you were grounding yourself with your feet yeah. to the earth, that Ooh, would help yeah. too. I live in New York right now, or I've been winning in New York for right now. And even in, when I'm in, in the West Coast, I'm in Arizona often. It's, it's just concrete on concrete. So it's like being out somewhere where there's actually a little grass has been hard, but you can center yourself in other ways. You can use uh, aromatherapy to add to the experience. And a lot of the terpenes that are in cannabis, you can be found in aromatherapy as well. So it's, it's, it's uh, something that you don't ha- all have to kind of ingest. It can be something inhaled as well to add. So I, I'll say that I start the day with as much as I can with a, a meditative moment. And it varies because I travel, but I think by and large, I give myself that time. Um, I'm sure uh, my sisters are probably like, when? But that's also, <laughs> like, like, they, you ain't supposed to know. It's for me, right? Like, But having that has been a real de-stressor. The second thing I would say is that I do use cannabis in micro doses throughout the day and in various types of modalities or uh, delivery mechanisms. What does that mean? It means that I'm not just smoking. In fact, I don't smoke joints at all. Um, When I do smoke cannabis, it's usually out of a bowl or a bong, and it's the flower itself directly or vaping the flower. I also really like uh, tinctures because I think that they're a little bit more longer lasting in the day. And I layer up. I kind of, you know, I describe it like bath and body works. You know how they have like the shower gel and the lotion and the spray and like you got to use all of it. I do layer up throughout the day so that I don't get below a baseline. One thing I will say with these symptoms, I feel often really tired if I'm sitting up and standing for a long time. Um, especially in my rib cage, I can, the worst experience is getting spasms in the muscles of the rib cage, the intercostal muscles. And that sometimes makes me feel like I'm getting squeezed by a bear. They call it the MS hug. And I hate that feeling, especially during COVID. It was making me feel like, do I have COVID? Why my chest hurt? It's really just because my my muscles are contracting in a a weird way. Um, And so I try to prevent feeling any of those type of things. And I'm using both hemp, um, which is high in CBD, as well as um, high THC or marijuana. I I combine the flowers to make my own blends. And the blends are based on the terpene profile. And not every day is the same blend. I mean, if, if I know, like... 
I have my basic blends. Like I, I, in my perfect world, I have a lot of flour of each and I'm in a legal state and I can pick and choose and blend as I need. If it turns out that I wake up and we're in the middle of a sudden it's raining, today's sunny, it's a great day. I feel good. It's dry outside. If it's raining that day and that blend for me to be as functional as I was maybe on a sunny day, a clear day, a comfortable day um, is very different. If I know I have all day, I'm going to be sitting in the office or sitting in meetings or sitting at home versus running the streets, it's a different blend. I think I love the fact that I have enough science knowledge to be able to really, you know, uh, customize it to my need. And it's that good of a plant that you can do that. It's just people don't take the time to learn their own bodies to, to do that. And I, I, you know, it's been a decade plus for me doing that first in the underground and the legacy market as a consumer and trying to get what I could get. And now I have the privilege of being able to shop legal markets and get cannabis flower that has everything written out for me about what's in it. Sometimes not, but most cases I can find that and I'm able to put together what, um, are, you know, are sustainable blends for me. It's interesting, I think, personally, to take this approach because I feel like I it's not I'm never recreating with cannabis, almost never. I would say 99.9%. It is going to be uh, I'm consuming with my pipe. It is I, you'll see my little special blends. If you somebody wants to try it, I don't have a problem giving them a scoop out. But I'm I, it's it's usually like it was created for me to do what I need to do today, tomorrow, whatever. And I, I'm usually clear about it. Um, everybody's endocannabinoid system is different, and they all have you know you might have different ailments. I would argue that I get some um, extra benefits of using cannabis that are beyond my ailments. So I'm blending for the ailments that I feel like uh, the vice that I feel on my lower spine. If I, you know, go for days without cannabis or the spazzing that happens in my rib cage, if I go for again, days or weeks without cannabis um, and, or the neuropathy in my left leg. But I also have found that it has improved my digestion. I mean, like my digestion, my, my gut is good at this point. <laughs> it's, it's improved um, my focus. I'm able to get blends that allow me to be a little less aged and a little bit more like honed in when I need to. There are these things that I never thought about. I really came into it because I'm like, okay, I don't want my hands to swell up again and I can't do nothing. Um, but there's that's how um, ubiquitous cannabis can be for its use in the body as a tool to help us with our endocannabinoid system. And it, and it manages so much. I have insomnia. And so, yeah, I have a, a special like you have been up for longer than you need to be. And maybe usually what happens when it's my birthday, it's like, that's my new year and my brain won't shut off. And so I'll have these two days where it's like, I'm, I'm just up and I want to go to sleep. And that's when I'm like, okay, I got to put myself to sleep, but this is a much better way than the ambient I've tried. And right. I, I found these are all residual to the main autoimmune issue that I'm solving for um, that have improved my overall life and lowered my stress, which means I'm even less likely to have these flare ups as a result. Yes. Yeah. Your toolbox is stacked. Yeah. Uh, mental health, mental wellness, but also balancing the endocannabinoid system toolbox, all of the good stuff in there. And I love that you led uh, with meditation. That's what I mostly use to help manage my anxiety, which often leads to lupus flares if I let that get 
out of hand. And prior to the Panini, my physical practice of yoga would really help with the rheumatoid arthritis pains. But I I still lean on my meditation practice, even though I'm not as physically active. Um, But then when it comes to things like insomnia or needing to stimulate my appetite, that's when I lean on more so cannabis. So um, I love that you have so many healing tools and you use them so strategically to really um, to really take care of your body from a a truly holistic level. I'm definitely trying. Yeah, you're doing it. You are doing the work. Um, so that is just so beautiful to to hear. I'm always uh, as loud as I could say on my soapbox telling people to not only advocate for yourself, um, but you are truly the gurus of your own bodies. You can't go into, I mean, yes, people that go to medical school, they learn so much in textbook knowledge. But again, to your point, there's a lot that's left out of those textbooks. And then we also just have that innate intuitive knowledge of how we um we live in these bodies every single day we get up and go to sleep with them so we are truly the be all end all and can i just say that because i went to medical school and i have so many friends good friends that are now physicians attending physicians in various specialties i have the utmost respect especially for the black women who are doing it the black men who are doing it have the utmost respect for Black, Indigenous, and Latinx, we are we have an ability to bridge the worlds. Um, we know that people of color do better when they see health professionals that look like them. We just yes. know it. Even, even one one remove, one of the things that I was good at in, in medical school, I won awards even, on interviewing people. Um, and when we get videotape, when we were um, our first and second year, we get videotape practicing this patient interview. And what I learned is that I tend to mimic very fast just to make someone comfortable. I don't know when I started that or how, but that's how I kind of connect with people. And so either it's hand mimicking or even um, the way the person is talking and, and it's done in a way that is so subtle that it makes them comfortable, but not feeling like you're making fun of them. Uh-huh. Um, I, you know, and a lot of times it also means that people mistake me for being African uh, and, and from a particular area simply because I can mimic and or West Indian. And, you know, my family is actually Black American. And I think part of it is just recognizing that there is a comfort when people mimic me even a little bit. So there, it, it somehow um, allowed me to understand that I'm I'm really, really not uh, there to tell them about anything, but more so what can I get from them? And so I was good at getting this, uh, all these other pieces of information that you can add to your differential diagnosis that go with the blood work or that go with the, you know, a whole, uh, you know, panel analysis and, and the like. Sometimes I do think we teach this, like we can only help as physicians or health professionals if we see a problem, but rather we should be preventative. And so hearing about the patient's history includes all of those things and beginning to think outside of maybe they have it wrong because often than not when I would come in and I say this is what I got going on with me if they didn't see anything even now as recent as this earlier this year I had a moment where I felt like my you know those rib cage muscles were really killing me and I didn't know and I was like it's COVID let me just go ahead um earlier last year 2021 and I did and the whole experience was like ain't nothing wrong with you miss and I'm you know more looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm saying I feel like you know my rib cages 
really tight. Um, and I, and I'm trying to understand why, uh, the fact of the matter is I don't think anybody should have to go through that. And so while I respect so much the doctors, I do think they have to meet in a middle ground of really understanding that we have something that we can do in a preventative way. I want my son, who is now 18, who already is experiencing inflammation in his lower back and his knees and his, and his hands from being an athlete, that he has a different experience than I, one that he can talk about cannabinoids or cannabinoid-like treatments um, to help him and, and not be looked at immediately like, what you talking about, Willis? Even psychedelics, I, that's what I'll end with. It's not just cannabis. I do uh, use psychedelics as well um, in a micro doses, meaning very, very, very low doses. This was just legalized in Oregon or decriminalized rather in Oregon. And it, they're working on legalization frameworks, but that did better at removing the neuropathy in my left leg than anything else. So it's the psychedelics that have added to my experience of reversing. Like that left leg burning hasn't come back in a few years now. Um, maybe two and a half, really. And it was bad. Like, yes. Bad, bad. Thank you. I appreciate you um, sharing as much as you did. So the last segment of the podcast is called Inside the Omi Studio. It's a rapid fire questionnaire. Very short answers, one word to short phrases. And we start with the breath. So clearing all the air that's currently in your lungs. Together we inhale, exhale. Describe your personal style in one word. Extra. What's one thing you wish you can change about the world? Equity. What brings you joy? Success. What makes you cry? Loss. What type of impact do you want to have on this earth? Extraordinary. What's your favorite thing about being Black? Everything. <laughs> Love you. What do you hope for your community? Prosperity. What do you love most about yourself? Authenticity. What's your favorite book? My own, How to Succeed in the Cannabis Industry. I'm so glad you said it. And the final <laughs> question, name five music artists that would appear on the soundtrack of your life. Oh my Lord, uh, I'm terrible at those, I would say. But, okay, Gladys Knight. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm old school. I like Gladys Knight, Patti LaBelle, um, and Whitney Houston soundtracks it, and it's all ladies too mariah and then i probably would have to add maybe a little Nicki minaj in there just because oh, or little kim yes mm -hmm. we gonna put little kim over Nicki and give it all yes. to the classics that's I real talk that's where i originated mm -hmm. yes thank you so much i appreciate you dishita this has been a really just um so many gems dropped in this interview i can't wait to get this edited and shared out to the people um, please let the people know where can they find you? Where can they get in touch um, with the Weed Head Company and more of what it, well, all of the dopeness that you're doing out here in the world? Yes. Yeah, so if you want to figure out everything, you can always follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dashita Dawson. And you can also check me and my sisters out at the Weed Head and Company at theweedhead.com. 
Thank you. And I will put those links so everybody knows exactly how to spell it and where to find y'all. Thank you again. This episode is sponsored by Comedic Yoga Cards, African Asanas and Affirmations. The Yoga with the Omis podcast is hosted by Jules Singletary and produced by Manny Faces Media. Full transcripts are available at gratitudegrio.com.